Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome back to the Statman Dave Football Podcast. This is episode 6. Some good news for you guys as well. A lot of feedback uh, from Friday. Thanks for sending that all in. I want to produce the best quality podcast that I can possibly do with a thanks to some great guys behind the scenes, including the one and only Lawrence McKenna. But anyway, the good news is that I'm going to I'm looking to buy a new microphone. I've looked around and I think I'm going to go for the Rode Podcaster, so hopefully the audio quality will improve vastly over the next week when Amazon, the good guys over there, deliver it at my house. But anyway, until then we're going to unfortunately have to stick with the audio from my Sony RX100 Mark IV camera. But anyway guys, that is enough about rambling about stupid things like cameras, mics and so forth. Let's talk football. First up, let's do the news. News came out from Barcelona. Two different stories from two different angles. First up, um, the story that Neymar uh, has lost his final appeal and will stand trial um, on corruption charges relating to his transfer to Barcelona. Barcelona, his father and Santos also um, losing their final appeal. So they will stand um, in the courts for corruption charges in the Spanish courts. And uh, unfortunately, probably... The right thing, uh, considering that the the reason why they're getting done for the corruption, uh, a Brazilian investment uh, group apparently was paid off um, for concealing some of the transfer fee of where that was going. So some naughty stuff from Neymar, Neymar's father, the player himself, Barcelona and Santos, allegedly. Remember, that's all alleged stuff. I don't want to get any uh, court fines over here. But anyway, moving on to other Barcelona news. Uh, Dani Alves slammed the club uh, for his treatment in his last three years at Barcelona, saying that... Over the last three seasons, um, all I heard was Alves is leaving and the manager never reassured me. He also went on to say, I was only offered a renewal when the FIFA ban came in. So that was when Barcelona were banned for signing any players by FIFA for signing some underage talent, which is pretty illegal. But anyway, poor old Danny Alves finally got his move to Juventus. Played a bit and now Lichsteiner is back in the side. Sorry, Danny. Maybe somewhere else. Like Manchester United would have been a good place for you. But anyway, let's move on to some other news. And that is Bielsa is back, baby. If you've ever seen uh, any of the Bielsa sides, you'll be as happy as I am. The athletic Bilbao side that did so well and got to the uh, Europa League final a few seasons ago uh, with Lorente up front, uh, Munayin in central midfield, and Herrera. Oh, what a team that was. Um, and then the Marseille team. And also a fantastic team. Dimitri Payet was in there. Um, you had... Uh, 
as other players and Bula looked like an absolute world beater playing some crazy systems at Marseille played a 3-3-1-3 formation which was absolutely was great to watch so I can't wait to watch Lille uh, he was reported this weekend watching some of the youth games over in Lille so potentially he's looking for some top talent considering there's been some great players coming through Lille in the last few seasons the one that stands out obviously Eden Hazard over at Chelsea in other news uh, Cardiff boss Neil Warnock says when he dies, dies he wants a minute of booze around the football grounds okay yeah uh, Neil um, that's, that's that's good good stuff there buddy Anyway, moving on to Manchester United, whose bench against Blackburn was the most expensive in FA Cup history. The likes of Pogba, Zlatan coming off the bench and causing some havoc. And apparently it was more th- more worth more than the starting 11, which is pretty crazy stuff. But anyway, that's the news done. So let's do the three talking points for today. First up, we are going to talk Manchester United um, and the consistent game-changing approach from their manager, Jose Mourinho, this season. We're then going to move on to look at what's gone a little bit wrong Atletico this season, dive into their, their tactics and see um, my sort of analysis on, on the game against Sporting Gijon at the weekend. And then we're going to finish off talking Monaco. The best goal-scoring team in Europe right now, and I'm going to break their system down and how that works all together. We're also going to do some two Champions League previews of those two sides. Obviously, Bayer Leverkusen playing uh, Monaco. No, sorry, Bayer Leverkusen playing Atletico Madrid uh, on Tuesday night, and also Manchester City facing off against Yardim's Monaco. Two mouth-watering tasks. Games that I think I'm going to watch back-to-back. I think I'm going to watch the first one, uh, then watch the second one straight away, and then probably go to sleep, because it might be a bit tired. Uh, it might be a bit tired then. But anyway, let's get into the talking points straight away. So first up, Manchester United changing under Jose Mourinho, and Mourinho really earning his dosh. This year, tactically for me, Jose Mourinho has made a lot of brilliant changes at the right time. His tactics have been absolutely spot on. His use of different systems, different numbers of strikers, different number of wingers, midfielders and defenders has been absolutely perfect. And again, I thought against Blackburn Rovers, the big change, um, bringing on Zlatan Ibrovic and Paul Pogba on the second, on the 62nd minute, really changed the game. But it wasn't just the players coming on. It wasn't like your Galacticos entering the field. There was more tactics underneath there. And here's what I had to say on my three talking points video this week. United changed their system. They went from that 4-2-3-1 to a 4-3-3 with uh, Michael Carrick holding in midfield, Paul Pogba playing left central midfield, Ander Herrera right central midfield, and then a fr- front three of Henrik Mkhitaryan, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and of course Marcus Rashford on the left wing. What that meant for Blackburn is they had to change their shape up. The players that were dealing with players previously had a bit of more of a problem because United now had three men in midfield versus two. And what happened there was United had a free man in central midfield when the press came from Blackburn because Charlie McGee was still holding, was still trying to protect that space from Henrik Mkhitaryan to obviously drift in from that right-hand side. Um, and then Tomlinson came off the bench who replaced Danny Grothery. Had a lot of work to do, a lot of work to close down both Paul Pogba and Michael Carrick. And the Herrera was still slightly getting picked up um, by Marvin Emenez. But what actually, if you look at the goal, you break the goal down that United scored. That was a fantastic uh, goal. You know, Paul Pogba deep in midfield, sees his pals Latan running in over the top, pings him a fantastic ball from inside his own half. What a pass that was! As Latan on the half volley, side foots at home. But if we break that move down and how the midfield looked just before the goal, it's fascinating. You have McGrew um, sitting very, very deep uh, on the right hand side, the right central midfield for Manchester United Herrera is getting tracked by Marvin Emenez 
Brilliant job that the striker's done there, or the attacker midfielder, should we say. But the key part comes there. Michael Carrick is slightly ahead of Paul Pogba, and that's where Tomlinson doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know whether to close Michael Carrick down or shut down Paul Pogba. United have created a 2v1 deep in midfield, and it gave them that platform to play that full pass and score that goal. Gave Paul Pogba the time. He had a lot of time on the ball there to get his head up and find the pass. But it was also quite interesting in terms of United, how they retained the ball in that shape go back to that three-man midfield. United held the ball a hell of a lot better. They created more chances when they moved to the 4-3-3 um, from the 4-2-3-1. And considering they played the first system for 62 minutes and the second system for 32 minutes, that is a big statement there. In terms of the number of passes they completed per minute in the final third, also went massively up. In the 4-2-3-1 was 2.4. So that shot up for, to 2.97. That might not make... Too much sense to you guys, but that is that point six. Even though it seems like a small amount, that is pretty big. You know, United completing a uh, hundred and forty-one, I think it was, in the four-two-three-one versus ninety-seven in the four-three-three, and that was because they had the extra man in midfield and they could retain the possession a lot easier. And that was a great tactical change from Jose Mourinho. Of course, they grabbed the goal and then they had the extra man in midfield to retain the possession and see the game out. It was so simple but so effective. On the screen, you just see two players come on, Pogba and Zlatan, you think, oh, United are just thrown on the big dogs, that's it, game over. But it's that little tactical switch of moving from the 4-2-3-1 to the 4-3-3 that won United that game. Well, the tactical... Ta well, the tactics that Mourinho displayed against Blackburn, uh, you know, switching to the 4-3-3, really gave United control of that game. And I had a quick look to see how many games I thought Mourinho had sort of impacted positively in the Premier League this season so far. So the first one that I want to talk about is the whole city away. Man United drawing 0-0. And Mourinho bringing on Marcus Rashford, shifting Wayne Rooney outside. The two combining for the winning goal. I thought that was a cracking change by Mourinho to push Wayne Rooney out to that left-hand side. He had that composure with Rashford through the middle, considering the whole city's, you know, um, at the start of the season with Curtis Davis and um, Dawson. Quite lumbersome, clumsy defender, so very, very good move for Mourinho. Then moving on to Middlesbrough at home. United losing the game one goal to nil, going into the 80th minute. Mourinho switching up and playing a 3-3-4. Pretty crazy system with uh, Anthony Martial up front with Zlatan Rich. I think it was Mkhitaryan in central midfield. There were so many attackers on the fit pitch, but it was a positive thing for Mourinho to do when needing to chase a game. And that was another three points I think Mourinho won Manchester United. And then finally against West Ham away, bringing on Marcus Rashford, telling him to stay wide. He goes on to create the first goal of the game. 4-1 matter, United go on to win three points. So for me, Mourinho's changes have won United nine points so far this season. But also on the other side of that, let's think of the negative side. Um, one game that stands out for me is the Man United game against Arsenal. Where Mourinho tactically ordered a little bit wrong. Um, with United uh, leading the game one goal to nil, a brilliant result for um, them at the start of the season when they were struggling with consistency. You know, Wenger bangs on Oxley Chamberlain, puts him to right back. Unfortunately, Mourinho doesn't react to that change, doesn't pull, Pog pull Pogba out to left midfield, switches him to central midfield, and Herrera goes out wide. And unfortunately, Marcus Rashford, who is playing on the left wing, doesn't track Oxley Chamberlain. So I'd say Mourinho's got a 8 plus point differential so far this season, so it's very positive stuff. And of course, in the FA Cup game against Blackburn, his changes made the difference and got United through to the massive clash against Chelsea. That is going to be a mouth-watering tie, United versus Chelsea. Obviously, Mourinho going back to his former club. But more importantly, United were embarrassed by Chelsea at the bridge. Chelsea were absolutely fantastic that day and destroyed United four goals to nil. It was the third game in to their new system, the 3-4-3, which now has fired them to the top of the league but they really 
They just destroyed United in the central area. It was fantastic um, from the likes of Angulo Kante, the likes of Matic to link with the forwards and, and support them. And Kante that, that day absolutely bullied United's midfield. So players like Paul Pogba and Herrera, big performances there. I just want to see Henrik Mkhitaryan playing as a number 10 against Chelsea to try and catch them out. Because that's where Chelsea has sort of haven't really been exposed this season is in that in that central midfield area. You consider the two players in there, Kante and Matic, who've been fantastic. But there's no teams that have really tested them in terms of numbers and using that overload in that area. So that's going to be a great tie, Mourinho versus Conte. But in terms of the different approaches over the last few seasons, United have had uh, LVG, who hasn't changed anything, kept with the same system, his same strikers, his same boring possession football, and obviously David Moyes didn't really have the time to put his style across to the side and just fell out. But that's why Mourinho has been such a good um, managerial appointment for Manchester United, because he is getting results. He is the guy making the key changes and getting United three points in the Premier League, week in, week out, and also in the FA Cup and the League Cup and the Europa League. But anyway, that's enough for United this week. Let's move on. So let's move on to Atletico Madrid and what potentially is going wrong for Diego Simeone this season. For me, they're struggling a little bit with identity. With the signings of players like Nico Gaetan, Carrasco, uh, Carrera, we're seeing a changing Atletico, but changing for the positive, I would say. The problem against Sporting Gijon was their shape. Their shape was completely wrong for me without the ball until Simeone made the changes, brought Prattley on, and uh, they went back to a more traditional Atletico 4-4-2. Simeone has been messing with shapes or playing with different shapes over the last few seasons. You know, you think of the Champions League final where Atletico actually switched from a 4-4-2 to a 4-3-3, took control of the game, dominated and should have won that Champions League final, unfortunately losing to a penalty shootout. But what he's tried this season is to evolve his side and add wingers. The problem, though, against Sporting Gijon is, is it looked more of a 4-2-4 than a 4-4-2 with Carrera and Carrasco in wide areas supporting Antoine Griezmann and uh, Fernando Torres up front. The issue was there was no protection on the fullbacks and that's something that you used to not get from Atletico side. Atletico have been so good over the last few seasons of playing such a combat 4-4 for 4-4-2 with central midfielders filling in for those wide, wide areas the likes of Thiago, Saul and Koke is probably the standout player who sort of made himself uh, more of a left winger than a central midfielder in recent years from that position he can use his ability to cross his abilities combine centrally and that's what Atletico did do they would um, stack you up and force you down the flanks and use the, the wide areas as sort of another player in their press and their press would be from in to out but it'd be four central midfielders that press you out push you wide and then try and nick the ball back but going on to an attacking sense, you know, someone like Koke playing as a left midfielder, he could use his wide range of passing, his ability to cross. Over the last three seasons, only Lionel Messi has registered more assists from the, than the Spanish international. What Simeone's tried to do this season is evolve Koke once again. Koke's become the heartbeat of this side and has completed more passes than any other player in La Liga, uh, any other Atletico player in La Liga. He's been partnered with Gabri. That kind of works in a sense. You've got Gabri that can hold, that can win the ball back, and Koke that can spread the play and dictate. The problem there is it goes sort of against what Atletico have been over the past few seasons, especially in that central area where they've been so aggressive. You think of the likes of Gabri that was that is so effective at winning the ball back of the players that have been there, like Thiago. Very, very aggressive central midfielders. And unfortunately, with, with Koke in there, you don't have that same bite that Atletico always have. And in a defensive sense, when they are playing this 4-2-4 with these expansive wingers, it leaves those two central midfielders too much work to do and if you're playing one as well as a playmaker as Koke has played again too much work you saw that uh, Sporting Gijon at the weekend really exposed them in those areas the first uh, big chance of the game Sporting
Sporting Gijon had worked it down Athletics um, right side of the pitch and Koke had gone over to Shuttle to try and you know block the cross Mo Gomez getting a really good ball into the box and Chore fire, Traore sort of firing over and this sort of same thing happened for the goal um, Carrera didn't really um, help Vesecho at fullback exposed a simple ball into the channel and um, Sporting Gijon you know taking the uh, sorry equalising up one goal apiece and it sort of didn't really it didn't really work for Atletico. It was a big, big issue uh, in the game. And I feel that they need to go back to this 4-4-2 shape. They need to go back to this compact style. They need to be protecting their fullbacks. And that's kind of what Simeone did to change the game. On around 60 minutes, he made three changes first. Uh, Prattley came on for Carrasco, you know, a defensive midfielder coming on from a wide player. Gramero obviously came on for Torres, who did score the goals. And of course, Saul came on for Carrera. And the midfield looked a lot more Atletico. Um, Thomas uh, Prattley is more of an aggressive ball-winning central midfield. Going next to Gabri gives you that Atletico bite back. And also Koke and Saul playing in those wide areas instantly the fullbacks had their protection. But it also gave uh, Antoine Griezmann a little bit more freedom to move around, a little bit more freedom to go to those wide areas and, and overload those zones. Playing the 4-2-4 kind of constricted Griezmann to a central area and did have his best games in the first half. But as soon as he was given that freedom to, to roam, to create, he started to get into the game. Arguably should have got a goal, um, was probably ruled out for offside when it wasn't really offside on 74 minutes that would have given Atletico the lead. But also uh, the two assists he got for um, Gramero, both picking up the balls from sort of drifting into areas. The first a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This one, a fantastic through ball after some great combination play from through Koke, Griezmann, then the through ball to Guerrero Grow, the wonderful finish. And then later on, Griezmann drifting to the right wing, playing a lovely ball over the top to make it 4 1 to Atletico Guerrero again, firing home. But this is definitely what Atletico need to do. They potentially need to go back to the 4 4 2 or the 4 3 3. I don't think this 4 2 4 is a great option for Simeone because it goes against the principles. If Atletico do switch back to the 4 3 3, potentially having Gabri holding. 
someone like Prattley in central midfield uh, with someone with like Saul or Koke then you push either Saul or Koke wide Griezmann one of those wide areas then then uh, the big Gramero through the middle that could work out quite well I just feel Atletico are opening themselves up far too much on the counter attack with playing two wide players and also you could rope someone like Carrasco in there um, with maybe stacking Koke Saul in central midfield together with uh, Gabri in behind yeah, that could be a good option but at the moment I feel like Simeone's trying to force it when last season they were so good at waiting for their opponents to get a bit tired then they bang them on the counter attack or they wait for a set piece then they'd score a goal obviously there's other things that are missing right now Jose Jimenez who was absolutely brilliant last season a centre half who did very very well throughout the whole Champions League stages you know made that one mistake against Bayern but apart from that had a brilliant campaign Diego Godin also are injured you know they're playing Hernandez and Savage that didn't have the greatest of games together you're not getting the same aggression blocking intercepting tackles that you get from the, the usual pairing the usual Uruguayan pairing of uh, Jose Jimenez and Diego Godin so the time will tell for Diego Simeone but I feel like switching to that 4-4-2 or the 4-3-3 eradicating this 4-2-4 because it's far too open and teams are catching them on the counter attack but in terms of Griezmann, watch, I thought he had a really good game when he was given that freedom and his stats are pretty decent. One shot, two assists, four dribbles, five clearances, putting the work in and 20 passes completed and arguably should have had a goal. That was ruled off for outside. But Gramero coming up trumps. Bringing, bringing Bort on in the 62nd minute, scoring his first, giving Atleti a 2-1 lead on the 80, 80th minute, then grabbing a second on the 81st and a completing his hat-trick on the 85th minute. Kevin Gramero is a fantastic forward. So, so good 1v1 and will give Atletico a lot in the rest of the Liga season. But, more importantly, in the Champions League, Atletico have really lacked um, a, Scott, a striking presence uh, as, a, as a number nine since Diego Costa left. I imagine Costa and Antoine Griezmann would be such a disgraceful combination in terms of goals. They'd have it all. Pace, aggression, defensive capability from Costa, skills from Costa, and then you know the ability from Antoine Griezmann to come from deep and score goals. But unfortunately, they've never played together. And since he's left, you know they've been through Mandzukic, Torres has come back in, Gramero um, has been in and out. And I feel like Gramero-Griezmann is a really good combination in terms of pace especially for the Champions League. When Atletico sit deep, they look to counter-attack. They've got two players there that are very, very quick and arguably can look for the bench and bring other players on like Gaetan uh, Carrasco to add a little bit more pace if they need be, if they're chasing a game. But it's a good setup without. In terms of their tie, they are playing Bayer Leverkusen in the Champions League. So let's drop a little preview on that. Bayer Leverkusen this season have been hot and cold. Roger Schmidt was fighting for his job in November, but has turned it around. Credit to Roger Schmidt. Roger Schmidt plays a very high, intense, aggressive game. Been a fan of Roger Schmidt since his days at uh, RB Salzburg. Um, you know, Red Bull's other team in Austria. They played a very aggressive style. Sadio Mane, Kevin Kampfer on either wings, Alan through the middle. It was a real high press 4 2 2 2 system. And he sort of played that at Leverkusen for the first um, season. And so, uh, two strikers, you know, Kiesling partnering Javier Hernandez. But now he's sort of moved away from that. And it's more of a 4 2 3 1. Um, but they still have that high intensity. In terms of the Champions League this season, and they've really showed that high intensity Kevin Campbell leads uh, the interceptions in the opposition's half and uh, a player that I really really like who's you know going to explode onto the scene Benjamin Hendricks has made the most has won the most tackles uh, in the tournament which is uh, sort of shows their side they've got some talented talented young players in there obviously Bendrick Hendricks being the first one that I want to talk about a fullback that can play on either side can play right midfield can play left midfield sort of would be the perfect replacement for Philip Lahm over in Bayern Munich 
And as I mentioned before, he's won more tackles than any other player in the Champions League this season. But what's so impressive, he's won 73% of his tackles. So when he's going in for the tackle, he's winning the ball back. And it's kind of complemented on the other side. The other fullback, very, very aggressive. Vendel has made more tackles than any other player in the opposition's half, winning, you know, winning the most. So they've got some real aggression in there. They've got some real discipline, pressing from the front. Other talented youngsters they've got... Um, Havert, Twitz, hope I've not butchered his name too much, but a young, talented player. In the, recently in the Bundesliga, has been playing behind Javier Hernandez, an attacking midfielder by trade. He's picked up two assists in his last uh, two Bundesliga starts, one coming against Eintracht Frankfurt, which was a beautiful slalom in Rome, uh, reminiscent of sort of what Kaká used to do, bursting through an area. He's got quite a tall physique, he looks a little bit like Kaká, um, and it was a sort of close control, keeping the ball by his feet, a little bit Julian Draxler-esque in the same way, um, um, and brilliant ball to, well, simple pass to Javier Hernandez who fired home. But, you know, the other assist against Alsberg, uh, brilliant run into the channel, pulling the ball across having, uh, for Bellarabi, sorry, and a simple tap in there. But he has got the potential, young, young and talented. Moving on to the last talented player that you've got to watch out for in the Champions League, for by Leverkusen, of course, is Julian Brandt. I think I've talked about Julian Brandt a lot on the front three. I've mentioned him a lot on different shows I go, and I really think he's going to be the next big thing. In terms of his chance conversion over the last three seasons, uh, you know, in terms of he's probably emerged maybe two, but in terms of over the last three seasons, he's got the same chance conversion as the one and only Lionel Messi at around 26%. So that is 20%, 26% of his shots result in goals, which is absolutely incredible. And if he can keep that consistent through his career, he will be the next big thing. But what I love about him as well is his body ban- balance and his ability to shift players without touching the ball. You know, the little body feints left, body feints right. And again, quite a tall player, but very athletic and mobile and agile on his feet. You know, been playing on the left-hand side this season, mostly for um, by Leverkusen. But in the last few games, him, him and Bellarabi have been switching positions, which has caused opposition defenders a lot of problems. Bellarabi was very, very direct with his ball at his fleet. Yeah, you know, triple-plus players take people on. Pacey and then Drew Van a little bit different, more of a lazy looking forward but still has that same uh, goal output and assist output so they're the three players that you're going to watch out for by Leverkusen of course Kevin Campbell is the sort of maestro in central midfield he's controlling things at the moment in terms of Atletico Madrid of course we've got to look at one man for Champions League quality over the last season and a half and that is Antoine Griezmann who since the start of last season has been directly involved in 44% of Atletico's goals in the Champions League that is 12 goals and 3 assists of course his pace his ability on the ball is going to cause any defenders a lot of problem especially the Bayer Leverkusen centre halves so moving on to the score prediction I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw Atletico taking the advantage back to Madrid Moving on to the next big topic of discussion, and that is Monaco and their tactical setup this season. In Liga, they have scored an incredible 76 goals this season. That is 13 more than any other side in Europe's top five leagues. That is 13 more than Barcelona, who have Messi, Neymar and Suarez. But you ask, what do they do? What makes them tick? Well, Monaco this season have been set up in a 4-4-2, a formation that has come back and has been massively popular in Europe. You think of Juventus playing it, um, you know, someone like Red Bull Leipzig playing it, and of course Monaco, who are potentially playing it the best. 
So let's start from back to front. Um, the centre halves, uh, Jemison and Glick. Players, probably simple centre half role, very aggressive on the ball, good in the air. Glick, who was fantastic actually for Poland at European Championships. I got Poland um, in a sweepstake, so followed them quite closely and was very, very impressed. He was at Torino then, and Monaco snapped him up after the tournament. So the two centre backs play like a natural centre back role, don't do anything strange. You know, there isn't one that pushes forward, they both probably stick together. Um, Jemison potentially is quite good at covering the, the sort of the left back slot, very good at going out there and winning the ball back. But apart from that, very standard centre. Moving out to the fullbacks, they are the guys that create the width in the final third. In terms of their relationship with the wide players, absolutely perfect. So the two wide players that have played most this season is Bernardo Silva um, on the right-hand side and uh, Thomas Lima on the left-hand side. First up, Silva. Been one of the best players this season in terms of uh, a creative sense coming in from the right wing, cutting inside and, and being a menace in that zone, picking up a number of assists in Liga this season and combining well with Falcao. When I saw uh, Monaco play Tottenham earlier on this season at Wembley, uh, Bernardo Silva in fact played behind um, Falcao or played next to him. They played as, played as one of the strikers with um, Moutinho playing in one of the wide areas instead of uh, Silva and he was fantastic. Scored a brilliant goal. Individual goal dribbling from inside, just inside the Spurs half. Uh, brilliant shot feint and then curling uh, a fantastic shot in but he's been top in terms of uh, the big goals he scored. You go back to the goal he scored against PSG to grab uh, the equaliser in the big, big game at the top of Liga. but he's been fantastic coming in. And also Lamar on the other side as well coming in. Tricky, skillful, very very different to Silva. Silva's more of your David Silva. You know, they do have the same name and they... Uh, Bernardo Silva reminds me a lot of David Silva when he was at Valencia when he played in those wide areas in terms of his ability on the ball. But again, going back to Lamar in terms of what he's been doing, he's a bit more tricky, a bit more direct, looking to take people on. Scored a very good goal again in the game uh, I saw at Wembley uh, against Spurs, a fantastic finish. It was very, very tricky, but a little bit frustrating on the ball, sometimes trying to do a little bit more. But a young player, you know, give, give him time, give him maturity. He'll be coming in and destroying teams left, right and centre. But in terms of how these wide players work together in unison, the two um, midfielders do come inside, which opens up space for the two fullbacks to bomb on. The fullbacks this season have been rotated. Mendy's usually played left fullback, but on the right-hand side, you've had a mixture of Traore and Sadibi both have been fantastic in terms of what these guys have registered in assists this season they've been very very good Traore registering 5 assists in Liga uh, Mendy also picking up 5 assists and Sadibi picking up 4 assists that's 14 goals that the fullbacks have created so that is the biggest um, sort of split in their side the goals have been coming from fullbacks what their fullbacks do is they get forward very very well they overlap very very well they either cross from uh, they put whip balls in um, from deep areas or they try to get to the byline and play crosses from there in terms of how they've combined with the with the the, the wide players, you know, on the right hand side with Traore playing right back, is they've got a good relationship with Silva playing short passes to him and allowing Silva to use his wand of a left foot and shooting from range. You know, combining together for three goals so far uh, in Liga this season, that is the highest combination of uh, players in Monaco. But in terms of how that works with the defensive midfielders, it's quite an interesting system. So as the wide midfielders come inside, the fullbacks overlap and sort of you know create in that final third. There's big responsibility for the two defensive midfielders, both um, Fabinho and Bakayoko. Both been linked with Manchester United. Both been linked with Chelsea. Both top players. Fabinho started his, his life at Monaco at right fullback, but has moved into central midfield and he's looked great there. 
I've seen him live play playing against Arsenal at the Emirates and I thought he was the best player on the pitch aside to include Anthony Martial and Dimitar Berbatov he destroyed absolutely everything but what he's evolved since that day is he's become the ball, play, ball player in Liga he's completing more passes than any other Monaco player 216 in fact completing 1,109 passes in Liga and what he gives you in that side is that control that holding player that just sits there distributes the ball and allows the rest of the players to counter-attack because that's where Monaco are so good when the central midfielders win it Back, they give the ball to the attackers and they break, break, break. You look at how impressive they are in terms of ball winners in the centre of the park. The two central midfielders have just one ball back for absolute fun. And that is Bakayoko as well as Fabinho. So Fabinho in Liga has won 59 tackles, Bakayoko 45 tackles. You see that transfer. Win the ball back, get it to the quick players and that's what they do. Bakayoko is playing a different role though to Fabinho. Bakayoko is more of your shuttler, more of your aggressive um, central midfielder. And his stats this season again have been so so, so impressive in terms of um, Liga you know in terms of tackles interceptions take-ons he's so impressive at all, all those stats you know 45 um, for around most of those Bordy does so well as he breaks he breaks at the right time he picks his moments and he uses great strength and ability to, to drive past the man to, to get the Monaco attack going into that final third then we'll lay it off to someone like Lamar or one of the fullbacks that have overlapped him but they do keep it simple they do keep it as that block of four sort of your Mourinho block of four at Inter Milan where the two defensive midfielders properly protect the two centre-backs and the two defensive midfielders very comfortable at drifting to the left-back slot in Bakayoko and drift, drifting to the right-back slot in Fabinho Finishing off with the forwards, obviously Falcao has scored the most goals, 16 goals in Liga this season. It's been his best season for years and I'm so happy that he's back in form. Slated by the analytics community following his move to Manchester United, but finally back into a side that is playing to his strengths and that is crossing the ball a lot, obviously scoring a lot of headed goals. You know, he's been partnered by Jermaine, uh, Jermaine sorry, uh, most this season, who's playing more of a worker role, more of a defensive forward, you know, closing players down, but has also picked up eight goals. And of course Mbappe, a player that has just exploded onto the scene this season this season 18 years old picked up 5 assists scored 7 goals in Liga it looked very 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 good so that is that Monaco team a lot of attack width from their fullbacks the two wide players coming inside playing with two strikers being able to get crossed into the box and having numbers in there and the two defensive midfielders protecting those centre backs in terms of what they're going to do against Manchester City of course we're going to quickly preview that game they're going to give Manchester City a lot of problem the best Monaco the best that Monaco have played this season is always on the counter attack and the best the worst that Man City have played this season is when they've played a counter-attacking team what Pep Guardiola has done in recent weeks he's gone back to the 4-3-3 the with uh, Yaya Torre holding the 2-3-8 Silva and De Bruyne that has made Man City look a hell of a lot better obviously Gabriel Jesus has looked really good since he's coming in at false 9 but unfortunately he is now out injured Aguero has come back in and looked good Sane, uh, Sterling have been pretty decent the thing where I think Monaco are going to destroy poor old Manchester City though is down that left wing he's put Fernandinho at right back and I think Lamar will have him on toast but also at centre back Falcao has scored a lot of goals with his head Monaco put a lot of balls in and I think Kolarov's going to be in there and that is where Tottenham caught Manchester City out and that is where Monaco will catch Manchester City out I'm expecting Monaco to win three goals to one but anyway guys thanks for watching or listening to the Satman Dave podcast available now on iTunes Acast go and listen to it there and of course watch it on YouTube subscribe to Statman Dave on all those platforms follow me on Twitter and anyway till tomorrow see you later
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.